Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Well, Teresa, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you uh, as our guest speaker today, and we are talking about menopause, so welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, um, so of course, our topic today is going to be centered around menopause, but uh, I thought maybe the best place for us to start is if you could tell me a little bit about your story and sort of how you got into working um, around menopause. Uh, yeah, usually these things start with a personal story, don't they? So uh, I've been a pharmacist since 1994, and uh, I was in my 40s when uh, my oldest son, who was a teenager at the time, asked me if I was bipolar. And I was very surprised with the question. I had no idea why he was asking that, and I had no history of mental health in the family, so I was very surprised. And uh, I said, not that I know of it doesn't run in a family anyway but why do you ask that mm. because we can't handle your moods and he was speaking for himself his father and his younger brother and apparently my mood swings were so bad that they were concerned about my health and of course they were concerned about their well-being as well because apparently i was going up and down in my moods and bothering their lives so uh that sent me on a search to find out what was wrong with me um I was in my mid forties and I tried to find the answer online like most people do. I went to Dr. Google and Dr. Google did not have a very uh, good answer for me because a lot of uh, uh, information I found uh, in those days, about 10 years ago, was uh, websites with marketing purposes disguised as information. So as a pharmacist, I knew how a good, reliable uh, website should look like. Um, so I found a lot of bad things and not a lot of good information until I landed on the North American Menopause Society's website, which is very helpful for practitioners and also for women. So anyone with questions about anything menopause should visit the uh, uh, North American Menopause Society. And so I found my answers, which were great answers. And um, I also found that as a pharmacist, as a healthcare provider, I could become a certified menopause practitioner and in turn help other women that had similar questions and doubts like I was having. And that was the beginning of this journey. I set up to write the exam because I was in perimenopause, suffering with a lot of uh, lack of concentration and memory issues and brain fog. I gave myself a whole year to prepare for the exam. And I wrote the exam, I passed it, and I've been on a, um, on a journey since. I uh, um, founded Menopause Ed, my business to raise awareness and provide education to women in midlife and help improve the quality of life, relationships, and work. Isn't and that's that, my 
Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, sharing your story because I think it just kind of builds context that oftentimes uh, the problem or the obstacle is the way. And it's usually in our own search for answers that we become, you know, not to, you know, we become more expert than most. And then when we discover solutions, we want to share that with others. Um, so I thought maybe the best, uh, I guess the next question I want to uh, ask you is, Let's talk about the definition because I have women who, you know, will say menopause, but don't really know, well, when do you know you're in menopause or what is menopause? What's perimenopause? Uh, so I thought maybe you could answer that question. That's a very good question because that's usually where we should start because there's so much confusion and I hear people saying, oh, I'm not 50 yet. I can't, I, I'm not uh, even close to menopause. Yeah, you may not be close to menopause, but if probably are in perimenopause if you're in your late 40s. So menopause is a nat normal, natural event that all women will go through because it's just what it means. Menopause, it's the pause in menses. It's the end of menstruation. It's the end of ovulation. It's the end of ovarian function. So our ovaries get old um, and they stop producing eggs. And women uh, stop being fertile at some point in their lives and the average age for menopause in North America is 52 but it doesn't happen overnight the ovaries don't go working for all these years and all of a sudden they say oh I'm gonna turn off and I'm not gonna work anymore so this is a slow progress it's a slow uh, phase um, and the ovaries usually start um, aging uh, to the point that things uh, that women feel changes in their bodies in late 30s to early 40s. And usually the first change is in um, menstrual periods. They start getting irregular periods. They come often or less often. They are longer or less long. They are heavier or less heavy. They have spotting. So that is usually the first um, symptom. And I don't like to call it symptoms because menopause is not a disease, but I don't have a better word to describe these challenges, these things that happen in the human body at that time. Sorry. So usually, yeah, uh, say signs, right? The first signs. Yeah. So the yeah. first sign of perimenopause is usually regular periods. And perimenopause is the years leading up to menopause. So those years where changes take place until the day that the ovaries no longer work. So that's perimenopause. We don't know, we cannot predict how long it will last. Every woman is gonna experience perimenopause and menopause in different unique way. Uh, but it usually lasts between two and eight years. And at the end of that time, the ovaries stop functioning. And then that's menopause. When the ovaries stop functioning, it's menopause. But how do we know it is? How do we know it's our last menstrual period? We only know when you look back I know of a woman that had a period eight months after, another one 11 months after, and another one 11 months after. So almost one period per year for three years. So you define menopause when you reached 12 months of no menstrual periods. So you have perimenopause when the ovaries start showing signs of change and hormone fluctuation. Then you have your last menstrual period. And 12 months after that, you look back and you say, oh, I haven't bled for 12 months. I'm in menopause. Let's celebrate. I do parties for menopause as well. After that, we are all in postmenopause till the day we die. And because the average age of women in uh, 
North America now is 84 or something like that. Mm. We are looking at one third of our lives in postmenopause. Wow. With all that entails. So there's a, there's a lot we can do before that to prevent disease and to help, uh, age healthily. Right. Uh, okay. So let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the signs, right? So you mentioned irregular, um, periods, uh, length of time, spotting, heaviness and flow. Um, what are some other typical signs that perimenopause might be starting? Yeah. And these, those signs are usually not in rate in the radar of most women. So women get affected or get these signs and they start worrying because they very few women link these signs to hormonal change. We usually think the worst. So one of the uh, main uh, symptoms or signs is brain fog, memory issues, lack of concentration, and sometimes anxiety. So if you are going through that, I think the first thought that comes to a woman's mind is, I'm having a mental illness problem. I'm having dementia. I'm having anxiety. I'm having depression. I'm not functioning properly. And very few people, and unfortunately, not many doctors either, think that if a woman presents with these signs in their 40s, it's probably related to a normal change um, in hormone status. So the hormones go up and down instead of the usual uh, predictable way that they do every month in our reproductive years. And then in perimenopause, they start going all over the place. They high, they low, and we have all these signs that things are changing, but very, very few people and healthcare providers related to hormonal change. So brain fog, uh, memory issues, mood swings, um, anxiety, uh, feeling sad, which is different from being depressed, um, lack of sexual interest as well, difficulty sleeping, these are some of the uh, major signs that I hear women report. And another one is changes in weight. Some women put on weight in perimenopause and the ones that don't also tend to change shape. So it's a different fat uh, that we accumulate in the perimenopausal years. And the fat all tends to concentrate around our middle, around our waist to create what we are uh, called the muffin top mm. and uh, that's another big sign of perimenopause when your body starts changing even though you nothing has changed in your life you're eating the same you're doing the same things but you notice that your body shape is it's is not the same yeah right. um and again what about hot flashes and night sweats yes yeah, so hot flashes can happen in perimenopause for some women and can only happen for other women in menopause and postmenopause. So hot flashes is common, night sweats is common as well. Um, there are a, a lot of uh, ways to deal with it, um, with the hot flashes and the night sweats. Night sweats are hot flashes that happen during sleep. Uh, and together, together people call hot flashes and night sweats vasomotor symptoms because it's a vasodilation when you get heat, when you get hot, blood comes to the surface, you get um, heat uh, 
dispersed through your skin. That's why in the summer, it's usually worse for women with hot flashes because it's hot outside, there's not that dissipation of heat from the body to the outside, so it gets trapped inside. Right. Heat and humidity are women's worst uh, friends uh, if they suffer from a hot flash. Yeah. So that's, that's common too, but it could start in perimenopause, it could start in uh, postmenopause, it depends on the woman. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, vaginal dryness and sexual function and pelvic floor function, since this is Uh a little bit of my domain. I wanted to make sure that we, we do bring up, uh, these changes as well, because a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of stress centered around these changes in and around the vaginal, uh, you know, uh, region. Yes. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of suffering and there's not a whole lot of talking about. And that's the sad thing. So vaginal dryness happens um, contrary to hot flashes, which tend to get better with time since menopause. So women get worse hot flashes usually around the time of menopause. And then as years go by, they decrease for the most part. They become less intense, less frequent and so on. But with vaginal dryness, it, 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 is, it, it happens in the opposite way. So it gets worse mm. with the years since menopause because the tissues of the vagina need estrogen to stay supple, thick, moist, to produce lubrication during uh, sexual arousal. And when you stop having estrogen, when your ovaries stop functioning, your estrogen drops, those vaginal tissues are going to be without that um, protective or stimulating estrogen. So the longer you are without estrogen, the thinner the tissues become. So this is a problem that is usually more severe postmenopause, but it can start in perimenopause. So uh, there are studies that show that about 50% of women suffer from vaginal dryness. And that's a problem for any women, um, but also it's a big issue if a woman has a partner and is sexually active because that prevents them from having sex because it hurts. Who the heck wants to have sex when it hurts, right? Right, exactly. Not to re- I want to tell all women that all women may suffer from vaginal dryness and they may suffer even if they are not sexually active. But the ones that are sexually active and suffer through pain with intercourse are usually the ones that complain the most and suffer the most. Yeah, because it affects not only themselves, it affects their partners and it affects their relationship. And I always tell the women I counsel and the women I talk to, 50% of women suffer from this issue. And unfortunately, the studies show that only 4, 4% get treatment. This is unbelievable. Yeah. There's no need to suffer. There are great treatments out there that you can use to, to, um, uh, prevent pain during sexual intercourse, to treat and, uh, and improve the uh, tissues of the vagina. It's not something that we have to put up with. It's not something that it's part of aging and that's it, suck it up, baby, and don't worry about it. It's not that. It's lack of knowledge. It's lack of awareness because women don't talk about it. Women go to the doctor and the doctor does not ask them for the health of their vaginas. And women do not offer the information because it's, let's face it, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable topic to have with other people. It's a very personal yeah. thing. 
But if women start talking about it, they will get help when life gets better. I always say, do not let your vagina ruin your relationship. Because I've seen cases where women avoid closeness and intimacy with their partners because they're afraid all this is going to lead into sex yeah. and I don't want to go there because it hurts and I don't want to do it. So they dis distance themselves from their partners. And what would a partner think? He has no idea what's going on in a woman's vagina. If she doesn't tell him, he doesn't know. Yeah. He just feels rejected, avoided, and he starts thinking, she doesn't love me anymore. There's something wrong with me. And this breaks relationships. So my first advice is, if it hurts, find help. There's always help. And please Absolutely. tell your partner it's not him or her or whoever. It is my vaginal dryness that is causing upset. And I need you to know that I'm avoiding sex because of that, not because there's something wrong with you or our relationship. And then seek help because there's help. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say 50% 50, uh, 50 of women experience uh, vaginal dryness mm -hmm. because I was looking at some studies to understand how many women uh, experience painful intercourse. So in perimenopause, it was something around the 40... 30, 40% mark, and then uh, postmenopausal, it was uh, it was up to 50%, which makes sense yeah. because if the vaginal dryness is there and the walls are also thinning, um, a lot of women will experience uh, or the, the sign of burning. They'll experience the sense yes. of burning. Oh, yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of itching sometimes associated with it. There's a lot of discomfort. And it's one of those needless suffering because there is help it's Absolutely. just a matter of breaking the taboo start talking about these things talk to your friends talk to your partner talk to your doctor and find help there's things that women can buy over the counter they may help and if the dryness if the uh, um, vaginal dryness becomes atrophy because the tissues shrink and uh, even the uh, labia and all that on the outside on the vulva can shrink because of lack of estrogen then there's a topical estrogen that can be applied vaginally only that helps with all that and prevents uh, uh, worsening of the condition and it actually treats and makes the the walls uh, thicker yes and uh, more moist so there's yeah. no need to suffer uh, with this and in silence yeah and i would even add to that that you know when we start talking about vaginal atrophy that uh, a lot of women don't know that pelvic floor physios were trained to help you with that in terms of um, if you've lost some flexibility and elasticity in your tissue, there are techniques that we do, uh, whether it's tender point release or, you know, fascial mobilization, um, di using dilators to begin mm -hmm. to stretch and open up the tissue so that you can better accommodate your partner. Uh, there's so many different things that we as physiotherapists can do to help with that alongside treatment that you might be receiving from a medical doctor um, that can be really helpful and useful. And women don't know that we exist. That's the problem. There's help. We just need to tell people where to, uh, where to go for help. And you are a good place to start. I'm, a, I, I'm not a specialist in everything, but I have a lot of specialists on my list that I can refer a woman to. I cannot help you with that, but I know someone that can. And in this case, a pelvic floor specialist is someone I always recommend because you can do amazing things and a woman will feel much, much better and improves relationships and quality of life. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's a really important thing. And so similarly with the, with the vaginal dryness and the sexual dysfunction, there's also the incontinence that happens, right? Uh Mm -hmm. Um, And even pelvic organ prolapse, like, you know, women will have, uh, will not necessarily know that they maybe have um, a mild prolapse, but then enter into that perimenopause, menopause phase where the tissues begin to change and all of a sudden they're starting to feel something, some sort of a bulge coming down or something's about to fall out. And again, we as pelvic floor physios, you know, can offer help alongside with maybe some hormonal um, treatment that can help with those symptoms rather than always just, um, not always, but rather than just uh, resulting in a surgery. Yep. Exactly. And you, you should do, everyone should do everything possible before opting for surgery. Right. Because it's invasive and then it can it have is. other complications. But sometimes, you know, sometimes surgeries are well, needed. You have to, but you should, but I don't know. I don't know if the specialists that um, talk to women about these things are actively recommending them to see someone like yourself, to see a, a pelvic floor specialist before. Let's, yeah. let's try this, monitor and see. If it improves and we can delay surgery or can at least probably avoid it. I wish there was more inter-referrals between us, the experts. Yeah. So it's not just what I know that may help you. I know someone that does pelvic floor therapy. She may help you as well. And altogether, it's a very it, it's successful. If we just take one approach, it's probably not going to be a hundred percent successful. But if we take many approaches, it might help them, a woman a great deal. Yeah, and and in fact, I am starting to see it happening more often, where the specialists are um, recommending pelvic floor physio as well as family doctors, because the wait times yeah. to get to a specialist can be so long that you know a pelvic floor physio may be able to start a rehab program that by the mm-hmm. time they reach the specialist, the issues either resolved or improved, and and it changes the treatment approach that the specialist might take because mm-hmm. the symptoms have reduced, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so, but I am starting to see it happening more and more, getting more um, cross uh, interdisciplinary uh, mm-hmm. approaches. So that's, that's always good to see. Um, okay, so we've sort of talked about what perimenopause is, what menopause is, what are sort of the signs and symptoms. Um, we talked about that there is help but i want to go a little bit more into you know a woman is you know experiencing uh, symptoms she's discomforted she's experiencing all sorts of things you know how can how can we as women live a better life during this transition what can we be doing proactively to help ourselves Education, 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 education. So that's my, that's my big thing. That's why I say my menopause is mainly to raise awareness that these issues happen, that there's these signs and symptoms that women will go through, nothing to be scared about. It's a natural phase of life. And when you encounter bumps on the road, you get educated and you make, if you know, if you have an educated, um, uh, if you have education, and information, you can make informed, educated decisions about your treatment. You don't do the first thing that you read online, you don't do the first thing that your neighbor tells you because you have looked at the facts, you know the benefits and the risks 
for the treatments that are available for your particular symptom. So you don't jump into the new bandwagon that is saying that jade eggs are good for whatever or this other crazy thing is gonna help with uh, that symptom. You research, you get educated, uh, you ask questions, you, uh, you talk to uh, professionals, um, pelvic floor specialist, a certified menopause practitioner, physician, you gather information and then aren't equipped with the uh, risks and benefits for each treatment that are approved and that are recommended for your condition, for your symptoms, for whatever you have, then you make a decision, okay, this is good for me. Everything is risks. Everything is risks. We cross the street, we have the risk of getting hit by a car. Of so course. you have to know what the benefits are and what the risks are, and then you balance them. So yes, my quality of life is awful. I need to fix this. And if I fix it this way, these are the risks I'm gonna take. That's fine. If I don't wanna take those risks, I'm not going to take those risks, I'll try something else. So education is the first thing. And then there are different therapies for whatever signs you have, heart flashes, memory, sleep, um, vaginal dryness, all, all of those have specific uh, treatments. It's not a one, one thing that's gonna fix all the signs and symptoms of perimenopause. Unfortunately, there's no uh, there's no cookie cutter when it comes no. to well, because you know women are going to experience different things, um, mm -hmm. and it's just sometimes. And it's very dynamic. Whatever hot flashes you have today are going to be completely different from the ones you have six months down the road. I remember my hot flashes started in my head, then they moved to my back, then they were all over the place, and they keep on changing. Everything is fluid and dynamic, and it's never the same way for long. Because yeah. that's the way life is. Nothing stays the same way. We're constantly changing and evolving and aging. And so every day is going to bring uh, different things. So the symptoms and the signs will change in yeah. the way they manifest themselves as well. Yeah. So we, you know, we're sort of talking about, you know, medical type of approaches to living mm -hmm. a better life during the perimenopause phase, but let's talk about some of the basics of good living. What are some of the mm -hmm. ba most basic things that you could be doing to live a good life um, outside of just, let's say, pharmaceutical or like other treatment based? Like, let's talk about what, what can you do right now to optimize your life? That's my favorite question, because for, every, for health and for well and for uh, disease, I find that the same approach is the same, and I'm proactive rather than reactive. So to me, good nutrition, mm -hmm. physical exercise, positive thinking, and sleep, along with a lot of water, are the basics for a good, healthy life. Of course, we all get genes and conditions and uh, and uh, factors that are will that gonna make us less healthy or more unhealthy, depending on uh, what our lives and genes and conditions and uh, and risks are. But we should all start and we should all keep up till the day we die with the basics of good, healthy living, good nutrition, physical movement physical exercise, movement, sleep, water, and positive mind, because it, there's new studies now showing that your brain dictates how your body feels. 
Absolutely. It's the same research that I'm finding with, um, within my practice as well as, um, you know, what you think is an electrical chemical signature. What you think is the language of the brain, right? The language of the mind. And then what you feel is the language of the body, right? So what you think has to send a signal to your body. So your body begins to understand what you are thinking. So your body's going to respond to what you're thinking. So if you're always thinking, I'm always sick or I'm never going to get better, you're essentially telling your body via an, via an electrical, chemical, hormonal signature that you're never going to get better, right? It's going to make it really challenging to move forward and find the motivation to live a better life. How can you live a better life if you sort of feel like, well, nothing's going to help, right? So you're less likely to do those things that are gonna make you feel better, right? Exactly, well said. That's exactly what I think too. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's hard, right? It's hard to make the time mm-hmm. to ensure you know, healthy food, healthy sleep, healthy mind. You know, those things do take time. Um, but I, I don't know who this saying is from, but the saying is like, if you don't make time for your health, you're, you're going to have to make time for your illness. That's right. And if you take time to watch TV, you might as well use that time to do something better for your body than sit in front of a TV that's not going to give you any benefit. Right. So I want to talk just uh, kind of quickly about... Um, because, you know, education is really the first step. If you don't understand what is happening, it's hard to then make the decisions about where to go. And I know that you're very passionate about educating. And so you've started this network, this group for women transitioning, um, you know, in perimenopause to menopause to really help. Can you tell us a little bit more about this network? So this is my WIM network, which stands for Women's Health in Midlife. And I started this because I found that women lack awareness about what their bodies are going through and they get scared when they have these signs and symptoms. So if if there's so much lack of uh, awareness out there, that's the place I want to start and tell women, don't worry, this is natural. I've gone through it. Your friend is going to go through it. Somebody else is going through it. If we surround ourselves with women that are at the same stage of life, and this swim network is for women 40 to 65, so we're all going through uh, hormone changes, we reach menopause and then we are in post-menopause and we have to prevent disease and live healthily. So if we have a community of women that can come together and help each other by telling, oh, I experienced that, you know what happened? I did this and then it felt much better. Oh, I didn't know about that. I'll try that, I'm gonna ask if it's good for me too. We help each other. I believe that when women come together and we connect and we laugh together and we commiserate, oh, we tell stories and jokes and we embarrassing moments we learn from each other and we help each other and we grow together and we are much much better for that so i'm i'm doing that with my whim network it's a membership it's an annual membership um and i'm charging a very small price just to uh, help me set up my cost it's 60 dollars from here till december 
And the structure is that I'm going to have an online meeting uh, every month for women that cannot be present. At the, uh, uh, I'm gonna have a monthly meeting online and I'm gonna have a live meeting, in-person meeting as well. So we're gonna have two meetings a month, one online for people that cannot be physically present because of distance or whatever. Um, and the other one will be uh, in-person meeting. And I'm gonna send a monthly newsletter with um, topics uh, relevant to uh, women's health in midlife. And I also have a Facebook group for network members. So we can chat and ask questions and answer each other's questions and give tips whenever we're not meeting, we can still reach each other like that. And I do hope that this is the part I'm doing and I do hope that from this network, women will come together with other women that live in the same neighborhood, work in the same neighborhood, have similar interests and outside this, these former meetings, they will get together and they will grow a community of women in midlife that is interested in living better and feeling better. And I think that is such a underutilized medicine really is social connection, gathering uh -huh. and sharing of experiences and stories. Just like you said, I, you know, we're hyper-connected yet so disconnected. We, you know, we're not talking to our neighbors or, you know, it's really hard maybe in midlife to make new friends. Mm -hmm. Maybe you moved, maybe whatever, the circumstances have changed. Um, and I think, you know, we're not getting together enough. And I think when women really come together and support each other, great things can happen. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Um, just, you know, for any women out there who may be feeling alone or unsure uh, where to get information, this is definitely a good, uh, good place to start. Is there anywhere else that, um, you know, women can seek you out? Like, um, are you on social media? Like, can women find you? Uh, you have a website? I have a website, um, that's where I am most active, and it's www.menopauseed, so menopause with a D at the end, .org. I have several buttons up there, and on the uh, work with me, there's um, links to one-on-one -on -one consultations, links to register for my WIM network, links for my events. Usually I have two or three workshops a, a month, some of them are free. And I have Facebook, I have my WIM network and the members in Facebook group as well. I have Twitter, I have Instagram. I try to be as active as I am, but I'm not as active as I should be. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think that gives um, a lot of options for women to at least uh, be able to seek out some information, some events. Um, and if they want to sit down and chat with you one-to-one, -one, that's an option as well. And we will post that um, on our uh, like show notes so people can just easily go click the, uh, click the link. Um, so is there any final thoughts, any final words that you would like to give to women out there? Let me check my notes. Um, my major, my, my main, um, my main message has always been that there's help. There's no need to suffer alone. It's not something in your head. It's not something that you have to put up with. 
just because it is a normal natural event doesn't mean you have to suffer through it so as i said that's help find information find education if you're not happy with the first information you got from the first healthcare provider you see you, you saw look somewhere else look for another specialist look for something um different look for pelvic floor specialists look for um certified menopause practitioner look for a nutritionist if if you can't keep up with them what we talked about the basic things of life if you don't know what a good healthy diet supposed to look like find a nutritionist or dietitian if you have a hard time exercising like i did i i my my hours changed i couldn't go to the gym anymore i had a muffin top uh, that prevented me from getting into my favorite dress and i said this is not good i'm gonna end up with because middle fat increases your risk of cardiovascular disease so it's not only that we look bad we feel bad we also are doing our bodies uh, a disfavor and increasing the risk for, of dying from a heart attack or a stroke or something like that so i got a trainer i decided that it is expensive i'm not going to buy any clothes and shoes for a whole year i'm going to get a trainer and i'm going to see if i can target my middle and get rid of my muffin top and i did and I, nothing happens overnight so when women change something they should not get feel deflated if the change does not happen right away when i went when i started training i started training twice a week on top of my walk and my swimming already but i focus on my core because i wanted to get a strong back get better posture get better balance and eventually see if i could get rid of the muffin top after menopause which is easier than in perimenopause by the way so if you are in perimenopause with a muffin top there's hope do not despair i did that and i didn't try that dress of mine for 8 months because i knew these things take time and it's not, going to the gym three times is not going to make me thinner and it's not going to make me feel better so i set myself a goal i'm going to give myself 8 months of going to the gym twice a week we end up going down to once a week after a few months because i was able to go by myself afterwards which i was never to before but with the encouragement and knowing what to do and a nice program i was able to stop paying for one extra lesson a week and i still went to the gym twice a week and 8 months later i could fit in my dress i had a smaller waist than i ever remember and i had a strong back i stood taller i was feeling a lot better so there's help find the help you need and take things at a time don't expect overnight changes and stick to the program and whenever you fail it's human just start again tomorrow Absolutely. I think that's a great way to end off um our chat today and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share this information with us uh so that you know we can so I can help spread the word um because as you said there is help we don't have to suffer you can live a better life post menopause um you know it's it's you know it's possible and uh thank you for sharing your inspirational story there at the end that like there are solutions and you can obtain your goals mm-hmm. but you got to make the commitment that's mm-hmm. you know that's the key right uh so thank you again and i'm sure we'll be chatting sometime in the future thank you It was a pleasure 
Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.